Hi, I'm Ian McAllister, and there's something nasty in the basement. I'm Jamie Adams, and I really don't like those noises. And I'm Sam Mags, and I've, I've drawn the short straw. But, but this is Brainwaves, and we're bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. And these are the headlines for the week of the 15th of April, 2019. 7C finds a safe port, Jeff Engelstein launches tabletop scholarship, and GMT scrambles to take game down. All this and more on this edition of Brainwaves. A short time ago on the podcast, we reported that John Wick Presents, the company founded by John Wick, creator of such role-playing games as Seventh Sea and Legend of the Five Rings, has been having some issues with the company. However, we're happy to announce that Seventh Sea and John Wick Presents has found a new partner, and that partner is Chaosium, publishers of Call of Cthulhu. Seventh Sea Second Edition was kickstarted in 2016 and achieved a whopping $1.3 million at the time. And that shows a lot of love for an old RPG system. Uh, but of course now, with the acquisition, Wick will be joining the company as creative director and will also remain a principal author on the game line, uh, as well as Seventh Sea. He will also be writing for other Chaosium lines. In a statement, John Wick has said, My first RPG was a Chaosium game. My second RPG was a Chaosium game. My third RPG was a Chaosium game. Saying I'm excited to be joining the Chaosium team just doesn't do it. I've respected and admired the company for over 30 years. I'm joining the same company who started me on this journey and I couldn't be prouder. President of Chaosium Rick Mainz has said, John is an extraordinarily talented designer and a highly regarded figure in the world of tabletop RPGs. We are delighted to have him join our team. Now, Chaosium's first objective is to fulfil the outstanding awards from the 7th C 2nd Edition and 7th C Kitai Kickstarters. And after that, well, we shall see. What do you think? How long is it before 7th C and uh, Call of Cthulhu crosses over? Well, 7th C's always had that sort of weird, That's mystical true. background to it. The sort of Cernith, was it? Or Sinith or something like that? Sort of mysticism in the background Serene. of it. It's got big... Cyrene. Big sort of... Yeah. It's big. Got got big sort of sea monsters in it already, and certainly I, I was a big fan of the card game back in the day as well. Like uh, the SMC card game was really good fun. I'd really like to see that come back as well. Ian, LCD. Ian you like you like the card game? Yeah, shocking. I know. I played quite a lot of the SMC CCG back in the day. It'd be really nice to see that come back. I, if you're I, listening, Chaosium. I was quite a fan of the first edition of SMC, uh, and I'm now remembering that as later expansions came out to it, more and more lovecraftian-esque things began to come yeah. in um personally i found it you know i wasn't too happy with that i found it a little bit at odds with what they were trying to project as the the overarching style of the of the piece but again like with all rpgs if you don't like it you don't need to play with it yeah i mean there is a pulp cthulhu setting i could easily see a sort of pulp cthulhu 7th c style crossover happening at some point down the line it seems like a good buy for chaosium it's a well-regarded brand obviously the kickstarter was a great success as was the katai one as well and it seems like they're, they're bringing a good brand on board and just bringing more people into their house which is good for them and it's just Kind of good to report happy ending to this in a sense, really, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It was a few weeks. It, yeah, it wasn't particularly long ago that we were reporting that that was all up in the air and no one really knew what was happening. And now we've got a guy 
joining a well-known publisher as a creative director and continuing those products that everybody loves. Uh, and talking about people helping each other out, Jeff Engelstein, designer of Space Cadets, Expanse, Pit Crew, and member of the Lodology podcast, amongst many other accolades, has just recently announced a scholarship in collaboration with the Tabletop Network. The program is going to award a mission and travel stipends to tr- tabletop game designers who are bringing new vision and underrepresented perspective to the industry. Recipients of this scholarship are going to get a badge to the Tabletop Network Conference that happens in Dallas, Texas, two days before the BGGCon of about $450 value. They're going to get hotel accommodation for the event as well. And there's also going to be a reimbursement for air travel. But on top of that, their way being paid to the con, they're also going to get mentored by an established game designer who's going to introduce them to various sort of luminaries of the game design world. The initial funding is being provided by Jeff himself, which is very generous. And it's really good to see this kind of thing, see a company and a, and a big name designer trying to raise people up from uh, underrepresented perspectives in the industry. And, and yeah, it's good to see new designers being given that leg up by established names. What do you think, guys? Yeah, and it's just awarding innovation and encouraging innovation and an an incentive to do something different a little bit outside of the box that maybe big game publishers wouldn't jump at or wouldn't go for yeah you know take it to these guys and they'll have a look and if you are doing something that's drastically different then there's more incentives to do that now you know yeah absolutely it's good to see, it's good to see like someone like this taking a risk and hopefully if some if good comes out of it then we'll see more companies more designers maybe going down this line offering that sort of scholarship to get other designers people from maybe disadvantaged backgrounds or underrepresented backgrounds uh, into into the gaming hobby i think underrepresented is absolutely the word you know it's potentially firing that more grassroots game designer base yeah. That maybe we don't maybe we don't see very often because well when it comes down to it the board game business is a business and you know what people can come along with their first games and do fantastic work look at people like Jacob Yaskov with Fog of Love and Casper Lamp with Magic Maze both in my opinion anyway excellent games and sad to say they're the exception rather than the rule yeah, it's hard hard to stand out in a crowd of of games where we're seeing three thousand, maybe upwards of that this year, like three thousand, four thousand releases this year, probably. So to get that leg up from someone like Jeff Engelstein and the and the people he's involved with, that's going to be a really good step on the ladder for a new designer. And we have news coming out of California and GMT Games, makers of such games as Twilight Struggle, nineteen sixty, The Making of the President, and Sekigahara. GMT runs its very own version of a crowdfunding, I suppose, called P500. Quite simply, they will put up a series of games, and if a game gets 500 pre-orders, that game will get printed. A game came to the P500 system called Scramble for Africa. Now, of course, with GMT placing an almost complete blanket on incidents in history and making games out of it scramble for africa is about basically the white man discovering africa and rushing to claim the various resources from it i trust you listener and i'm sure you know why this might not be the most appropriate of themes to to base a board game on after a lot of negative feedback An email was sent out to the backers from GMT, uh, and I shall read it to you now, uh, paraphrasing slightly. 
I am writing today to let you know that after much consideration and after consultation with the designer, we've decided to pull Scramble for Africa off our P500 list. It's clear to me the game is out of step with what, with what most Eurogame players want from us in terms of both topic and treatment. Over the past few weeks, we've heard from a growing number of gamers who had concerns about both in regards to Scramble for Africa. I'm very sorry we didn't catch this sooner. We work hard to evaluate and scrub games before they get to the P500 list, and we turn down games each year that we think are inappropriate for us in various ways. I'm sorry that we, miss we missed this one and caused some of you a lot of consternation and angst because of our oversight. We'll do better. Now, it sounds straight away, yep, they messed up. Everyone messes up. We are all only human. Even Sam, amazingly. I think GMT have made the correct choice. And yeah, it might have been better if it hadn't come to the P500, but the company admitted their mistake, have quickly rectified it, and have said, at least, you know, at the very least they said, yeah, we messed up, we'll do better. And they seem to be acting in quite good faith. And if anyone did pre-order Scramble for Africa... Of course, there's a complete refund. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think the money gets taken with P five hundred until it sort of hits the five hundred mark. But I'm not one hundred percent sure on that. With a with a with a remit like incidents from history and being made into board games, there's always going to be moments where you go, uh, "Is that is this going to be all right?" Yeah, but I mean, board gaming in general has has a bit of a problem with cultural appropriation, and I think it's probably a conversation to be had for another time. We don't have time to cover it here right now. But yeah, it's definitely an issue and it's going to be more of an issue as board gaming becomes more mainstream. That's just going to be questioned a lot more. Sam, just before we move into the news, have, have you taken care of it yet? I'm, I'm, I'm really scared to. But That's boys, all. Like, I, I'm getting yeah, around but, to uh, it. But you Boy. draw the short straw. You know how it works. Boys, I had another piece of news, but I'm hearing rumblings from the basement now. I mean, yes, do you want me to do this kind of like, or not? It's like a throbbing, warbling sound now. Yeah, I mean, it's giving me a bit of a migraine. Whoa, first. did you hear that? I think something just... Right, I'm not, I'm not doing this news piece. Right, done. Okay, bye-bye, bye-bye. Um, we'll we'll carry on and we'll see what happens. We'll carry just on. Yeah, we'll, carry on we'll, go, we'll, we'll go to one of the newsrooms that have got the, the soundproofing and stuff. Maybe yeah, that'll be all right. Sure, sure. Go, go, how go, bad to can it be, right? go to the panic newsroom. Go to the panic newsroom. In further news this week, Games Workshop have had a rebrand. They're bringing together for the first time all of their Warhammer products, really, under under one banner. Um, so they've announced a entirely new logo that combines their sci-fi and fantasy symbols, bringing those together. It's a Warhammer and the eagle eagle wing from from forty k. And essentially, what they've said is just look out for that logo. If it has that logo on it, it's an official Warhammer product from Games Workshop, and you know you're safe there. Essentially. Um, Seems a very good idea. Seems 30 years too late, to be honest, but better late than never, right? Um... It's following the last two, three years of them rebranding a lot of their Games Workshop stores into Warhammer stores. So Absolutely. I guess yeah. we've sort of seen this coming a little bit down the line. And yeah, it's finally here, rebranding the logo after sort of 30 years of it being what it was. Um, yeah. Now into this sort of more stark black and white logo combining their, their sort of sci-fi hammer and their, fa their sort of, sorry, their sci-fi sort of eagle wings and their fantasy hammer. Mm. Um, I, yeah. I was I was actually quite surprised when we discussed this just before we started recording because, yeah, we have the Citadel miniatures, 
logo, we had the Games Workshop logo, we had the Warhammer Fantasy and Warhammer Age of Sigmar logos, and we've got the Warhammer 40,000 logo. We never had a unified Warhammer logo. So it's, it's yeah, it's nice to see yeah, finally and I think something is, happening. And I suppose this is because people in general, you know, why they did it to the shops, I suppose, is if you're not a Games Workshop fan and you're not already in that community you probably do know that product that organization that company as warhammer you know yeah. so it's just more simplifying and streamlining their brand you know so they are still yeah. games workshop obviously but public facing it's warhammer what you're buying into is warhammer and not games workshop it's also going to stop people going into games workshops and going uh, do you have this video game and they go sorry we only do warhammer and they go well, your name's Games Workshop. Well, it's, it's them branding towards the gamer rather than the company. Like, if, if people play Fortnite, you don't refer to them as Epic players. Absolutely, players. yeah, no, completely. You know, it's that kind of thing. And especially Unless in terms of people wanting to buy this as a present or, like, you know, if you've got a child who's really into Warhammer and you you don't really know much about it, yeah. just knowing that it's a Warhammer product more, rather than a Games Workshop product just gives you more confidence in buying it, I suppose, and gives you, like, oh, yeah, this is the right thing. As you were saying, you know, people don't say, oh, I play Games Workshop. It's, I play Warhammer. Indeed. Um, so that's something to look out for going forwards. Well, there's been a, lot, a bit of news coming out of the role-playing game world. Wizards of the Coast has teamed up with Penny Arcade, the satirical webcomic about computer games, but also owners of the Acquisitions Incorporated actual play podcast for Dungeons & Dragons. And they are going to be producing an Acquisitions Incorporated book and a tie-in GM screen as well. Uh, there's not a huge amount of information about this at the moment. It's going to be releasing sometime later this year, probably towards Gen Con and the big uh, con season, I would guess. And it's going to be based in the Acquisitions Incorporated world, which is basically sort of Dungeons and Dragons with a bit more of a business theme to it. Basically, adventuring guilds are businesses that are run for adventurers. Uh, and yeah, interesting to see that tie-in coming. Yet another sort of tie-in from an actual play podcast impacting the world. Like we were talking about the critical role actual play last time and the, the, comic, uh, the comic series and uh, animated series that's coming from that. It's just a lot of these actual play podcasts starting to impact as products now as well, which is really quite interesting. Also um, interesting just to see it going in different directions, you know. The yeah. Wizards are really embracing the community with Dungeons & Dragons these days. You know, whether that is really, you know, teaming up with Critical Role or Penny Arcade or whoever it might be. To You know, um, earlier last year they released the Ravnica book that tied Dungeons & Dragons in with Magic the Gathering. And just doing a lot more things to get more people interested. You know, like more than ever before... It's just embracing wider community. Yeah. I mean, without the community, you know, Dungeons and Dragons would not be having the resurgence in population that it does. I'd be quite interested to see, out of the Wizards of the Coast kind of earning percentages, what percentage is being earned by Magic the Gathering, which is obviously substantial because, you know, it's still going. Yeah. And how much is being done by Dungeons and Dragons? Because I'd say it's probably going to be Magic number one. And then Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, it's got to be Magic number one. Like it just has to, surely. Oh, yeah, I know. But, but I'd, what I'd like to know to though is how much D and D sales is new players. You know, people who haven't played anything but Fifth Edition. Because I reckon it's huge. I reckon yeah. it's maybe more than fifty percent these days. Of well, maybe probably not, but um, it's got to be high. Seems quite likely. That's a good and I, I, I good reason. I think it's one of the most accessible editions of Dungeons and Dragons there has been. 
hard to argue with. If you like your role-playing games a little bit more sci-fi, a little bit more cyberpunk, then good news for you, because Hunter's Entertainment is going to be producing an Altered Carbon game. This is based on the novels by Richard K. Morgan. There was also a first season of the TV series came out on Netflix last year. Second season is on its way sometime this year. And basically, it's a cyberpunk setting where the main sort of shtick of this of the setting is that uh, human minds can be uploaded to the cloud or to hardware and basically shot across space into other bodies or sleeves and it follows uh, it follows particular characters as they basically bounce around bodies uh, across vast distances in space getting up to all sorts of mischief and uh, yeah so they're producing content based on the upcoming second season so they are tying into the upcoming second season which is particularly interesting they're launching 2020 with this game they're going to crowdfund later this year and renegade game studios are going to be covering worldwide distribution we don't know a huge amount about it other than that at the moment there's not really a designer or system attached to it at the moment so we'll see what comes of that but more cyberpunk is always good and something updated and also tying into a tv series release is really quite interesting i wonder if that'll get them much traction tying in but when it comes to it it you know we want to see what the system is like whether that's going to justice to it yeah but do will fans of the series just buy it anyway probably yeah or you likely it's yeah, how things of work course. <laughs> of course that's that, that's what how, how much of how much are witcher sales gonna go up when the witcher tv show comes out oh All that stuff, you know hugely oh, i forgot big. that was happening yes henry cavill and his amazing white wig Speaking of intellectual properties, Weta Workshop, the workshop behind all the fantastic computer-generated imagery in Lord of the Rings, has cut their teeth as games designers and developers with GKR heavy hitters several years ago. And recently they have an- they announced and brought to Kickstarter District 9 The Board Game, based on Neil Blomkamp's Aliens in South Africa film from ooh, quite a while ago now. Which Jamie hasn't seen. Yeah, I've not seen District 9. Yeah, send your letters it. to Ian at the Giant Brain. Don't send them there because that's not a web address. <laughs> I know. But... Send your complaints to giantbrainuk at gmail.com. No, send them, send them just to Ian McAllister on Twitter. Uh, the game on Kickstarter promised lots of miniatures, a modular board, hundreds of cards. So, you know, so far so Kickstarter. And, as- and asymmetric factions fighting through slums on the last three days of the plot of the film. However, the project was cancelled on the 3rd of April, with an update from Weta saying, A week into the campaign, it's become clear that there's some important stuff we need to reshape in order to make District 9, the board game, a compelling, exciting product for you guys. So we've decided to cancel the Kickstarter and address your feedback. Some of the feedback seems to be based on things like shipping costs, well, Weta is a company based in New Zealand, so go figure there. Uh, the supposed asymmetry of factions, but having a look at some of the rules, it's clear the difference is purely cosmetic. There's no real asymmetry there at all. There's also some concerns over the continuity and support of the product, with many citing how the GKR heavy hitters, GKR standing for Giant Killer Robots, the big miniatures based robot smashing each other game that isn't Pacific Rim uh, had one expansion and then everything's gone very quiet. Yeah so is this more sort of seeing the Kickstarter bubble bursting for big miniature games like just we've got a license we've put a bunch of miniatures on a board please give us money 
Is that starting to come to an end? Hopefully, again, being, again, I'm going to say. <laughs> Possibly, yes. Uh, it might be that people are now seeing that minis is all you need to sell a Kickstarter, or they think minis is all you need to sell a Kickstarter, and lots of cards and modular boards, and you can use them for other things, and going, yeah, let's do that. And maybe people are getting a bit bored of it. I mean, I'm sure Weta did this in good faith, but obviously there's been some kickback on the, the actual quality of the, the perceived quality of the game. Let's let's face it, the perceived quality of the game. In, in no way, in no way, am I uh, casting aspersions on the the intentions oh, no, no. Yeah. of Weta Workshop. I think Weta Workshop have you know have great intentions. They want sure it's going to make the money. Of course it is. It's based on a a popular film. Uh, they've got a good reputation after GKR and Lord of the Rings. So. It's definitely interesting to see a company like Weta continuing their journey into the board game world. They haven't just like pushed out one game and said that's it. They they obviously have interest in producing more. So no doubt we're going to see other things down the line. Maybe this will come back to Kickstarter in a different form. It tends to happen, and yeah, we'll see what happens, and we'll we'll keep an eye out for you listeners and uh, report back if anything comes of it. Guys, the noise is just building. Um, Sam, I'm Sam, gonna have a look at it. I'm gonna have a no, look no, at Sam, it. Okay? Sam, it, it's it's swallowed an intern now. Which one? Je- Jeffrey's got. Jeffrey's just gone. Oh, not Jeffrey. Okay, guys, it's not good. I, I, I just saw. He it. made I the just best coffee. It. It's not good. It's not good. It's really not good. Right. Okay. So okay. it's like it's. Panic I, table. I, I don't know how to describe it. Boy, boy. Um, Sam, it's Sam, like nothing Sam. I've ever seen before. Sam, don't describe I can't it. Really describe it. Help, please help. Okay, Sam. I'm Sam, scared. let's not describe it. Okay, let, right. Walk with me. Take my hand. Take my hand. There, there we go. There we go. Okay. Okay. Yep. Ooh, ooh. Very, very soft. Nice. And let's walk over to the uh, the polished steel table of brainstorm. We can just sit down. Everything we find, and we'll just we have a deep chat. Is this the best time for this? Yeah. We'll deal with it later. Hi there. I'm taking the lead this time. Now, the board game industry, as we know, is full of games. Thousands of board games releasing every year. And you know, a lot of board games also get expansions. That includes maybe uh, modular parts, so it's new rules, new factions if it's uh, it's a faction-based game. Some things to change the flavour, change the style of the game. Especially with the rise of Kickstarter, we're seeing games being packaged with their expansions already. Whereas traditionally, and I use that word in inverted commas, usually wait a little bit before an expansion comes out. Maybe, you know, a year or or such, you know, or in the case of Jamaica, uh, 10 years. So my question to you gentlemen today is this. Should expansions be part of the base box? Uh, Have you bought any expansions only to be disappointed and without it being a leading question do you feel gamers may be being exploited by going you must buy this expansion i i brought this up because i was having a discussion with uh, a friend recently and he said you know i play a couple of board games but i don't play with expansions and i went oh interesting why and he said i never played an expansion that adds anything to the base game that makes it fun i then asked him you know, what if uh, someone says that an expansion makes the base game better? And his response was, well, why wasn't the expansion included in the base game as part of the core game mechanic? Okay, so I think a lot of the time expansions are released quite a long time after the main game, that they are actually just second thoughts. You know, they're not... I think it's very rare, maybe more common these days, to be honest, when I'm thinking about it, that expansions are planned at the design of the initial game coming out. That a lot of the time they are kind of, possibly like a year, sometimes more, 
after the base game coming out that they are very much a designer returning to a game to add to it you know you don't you don't often get a, a game release and then a month to three months later here's an expansion that you're kind of thinking oh that was obviously designed alongside it um whilst i agree with that fantasy flight are a perfect example of a company that absolutely 100 percent does do that almost definitely like if you look at if you look at the like, original eldritch horror release quite a lot of it was quite the decks for it were quite sparse two three months okay. later small yep. box small box expansion came out with loads of new cards for it that was obviously planned at the time and they 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 of they have a model of wanting you to buy expansions and again do you think though that's one point i made just then was it's more of a recent thing that yeah. actually these these days expansions are pretty much just expected like oh this game's done really well there will be expansions and i think kickstarter has led to that as well with a lot of sort of stretch goals for expansions like jimmy yeah. was saying in the, in the intro like different factions that kind of thing and expanding to that you know root already having what two expansions out six months after release i was gonna say i didn't want to be the one to hit the root alarm but yeah root root the river folk expansion being pretty much all the stretch goals from the first kickstarter yeah and now the recent successful kickstarter being just more yeah i'd like to unpack that the idea that like these are missing from the base game and this should have been included one of the major factors i think in that is cost yeah I play with five, six players a lot, and the way I do that a lot of the time is expansions. Expansions have a very high tendency to introduce an extra player because mm-hmm. you just need extra components to include those that number of players in a game. It's one of the reasons I pick up expansions a lot is because I'm catering for that kind of number of people on, on regular occasion. And if they were included in the base game, yes, you might have a more complete game from the off, but you'd also have a massively more expensive game from the off. And whether it would reach as many people as it needed to is a is a different is a good question to ask i i would i would agree with the extra player expansions uh, and i think that kind of thing takes time as we said it, it takes time you need people to play the game and go oh, okay this is good for them to go back the designer to go away do something else come back to it and go okay right, i did this with two to four players now can it do can it do five or six let's yeah. see how this goes and then bring something out and listen to feedback as well because it's it you know, again, it's not so much Kickstarter, not that we're beating on Kickstarter, but there's a lot of expansions that are coming out from the more, I want to say, established games companies in inverted commas that are going, okay, right, we listen to what, you know, you've said, and we're going to take some of this on board. For example, Jeff Engelstein, oh, who we mentioned earlier in the podcast, went on the Board Game Geek forums for the game The Dragon and Flagon, which he co-designed, and said, we're going to be doing an expansion, I want to hear your thoughts. What do you and, want? Yeah. And people were like, this, this, and this. They went, okay, sure, there's a lot to chew on. We've heard nothing from it so far, but <laughs> it's but th- but it's still a board game designer going, directly reaching out to the community. Mm. Admittedly, that small percentage who uh, are devoted to board game, you can go, what do you want to see? I think one game that's done it particularly well, for, for me personally, is Pandemic, where Pandemic-based game is something we you know, for the most part, this is a generalisation, but we all know, you know, that it is a very kind of contained game. Um, but then the expansions all offer something completely different that change that game up in new and exciting ways. Yeah, that's quite a con- that's quite a common type of expansion as well. Sort yeah. of like, here's four or five modules you can add on or not as you wish. Kind but of what thing. I like about that is none of those expansions ex- exist to fix anything that's in the base game. 
Mm. You know, it's just, here's a bit more pandemic in a slightly different way, or looking at it from a slightly different point of view, or, you know, it's all pandemic, yeah. but it's just different pandemic. And yeah, you can expansion take it as it. expansion as fixed to a game is definitely not great. And let's face it, Fantasy Flight are a bit guilty of that at times. Completely. Like the Eld- like the Eldritch one I mentioned earlier. Eldritch was definitely had too thin the the, the, the location decks in Eldritch yeah. Horror were definitely too thin on release, and they were just they were just suddenly better with the first expansion, the like first Arkham Horror, expansion. the new version of Arkham Horror that came with how many scenarios does that come with? Three, three. So yeah you know there's going to be expansions and you're kind of like, oh, well, I suppose I'm just going to have to get the expansions to get more game because it only came with three yeah. games in a sense, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's a bit annoying, you know, when, when it's it's starting to get like that across the board, especially from people like Fantasy Flight, you know, who are releasing games that, you know, whether that's their Arkham games, LCGs and the miniatures games, maybe not so much because expansions are just a given to augment those games. You know, you buy a core set of something and then you have to get, you know, if it's X-Wing, you're going to buy this ship, that ship, you know. But I think that's a different type of expansion. But for definitely like their Arkham games in the board game sense, I think it does kind of suck for a lot of people to, you know, yeah. buy that core, core set that costs £60 and it does have very limited playability in a, in a sense, discoverability and playability. But yeah, I, I, I think like to the last sort of point of like are gamers being exploited, I don't think so really. I mean, like if you buy into a fantasy flight game, you sort of know that that is what's going to happen. That they are they are expansion heavy. That is their model. And I think I think other than that, I don't think there's much sort of deliberate exploitation going on there really. I think people Car- sort of know Carcassonne? what they're getting into. I mean, Carcassonne released released expansion a lot because yeah, they, they want to sell stuff. I guess they're, they're they are churning the expansions out, but that's but, just. But what I they don't. Do. But Carcassonne but you don't need to buy that. them. Yeah, I think with the fantasy flight models of expansion, that's not the same as 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 Carcassonne or things like that. You know, Carcassonne is a very kind of core focused game, whereas a lot of the fantasy flight ones are obviously designed with expansions in mind like yeah the, no that, that's probably the that's yeah. probably the closest we get to like them exploiting that want of expansions and that want of sort of yeah and products. could you call it expo- exploitation i think you probably could maybe that it's kind of oh we know they'll just have to but you know in, in the broad sense of the term yeah expansions in general though i think are a good thing that if, if you want to ex- expand that game or augment that game or whatever, yes, go for it. As Ian was saying, do your research. You know, is that something you do need? I'm always a bit wary of expansions that cost maybe over like £20 because I could just buy a whole new game. You know, how much am I going to play that expansion or something? Sh- should, you know, a whole other topic for another time is should an expansion cost as much as a base board game? You I'm know, going what to keep are you very quiet because <laughs> I, I just bought the river folk for root and i may have also backed the underworld for root somebody help me i mean but in, in the end like expand buying expansions is just like buying the base game yes you've already got you've already got a game and you should do your research and like there'll be reviews out of the expansion does it add things is it good read around find out what people hmm. think about it we might put up reviews of expansions as well as we play through them so yeah, keep an eye out for what's going on with expansions and whether you actually need them or not. Some are some are really good, I think. Some maybe not so much. They're just more content. 
like a lot of the Eldritch Horror ones are pretty much just more content. But yeah, but more if you content like can be good if, you like if that's Eld- what you want. Yeah, if you, if you like Eldritch Horror, which I do, then yeah, that's good for you. So Ian, yeah, it's, Ian, it's, a, it's very contextual. Ian, be careful. You're, you've been hitting on Fantasy Flight so much and we know how much Sam loves them. So, <laughs> you know, we, we don't want him getting riled up. That's all I'm asking. Um, hey, guys, I've put it off for too long. I think I'm going to have to go and check that. Like, throughout that whole segment, I could just hear it in the background. I mean, it's vi- it was vibrating the table slightly. I mean, no, like exactly, right? And this is scary. Yeah. This is our house. Like, we've got to do something. I mean, it's popped up in the part Like, since the party, uh, someone must have been at the party and planted this thing. Like, I don't know what was are, going are you, on. Are you, are you saying one of our guests committed some act of sabotage? I'm not so possi- possibly. Who, who knows? I'm, I'm sure I'm sure, sure. I saw Richard from We're Not Wizards playing around down there. So who knows what he's up to? Because he's actually a wizard. You know that. Like, he says he's not. But... But, yeah. That's just misdirection. Yeah. The views of Ian McAllister do not represent those of Brainwaves as a whole. I don't know. I'm going to go look at it. I'm just going to... I do the short story. It's my job. Yeah. It's my job to do it. Okay. Okay, Sam. Can, can, can you come with me? Not... Yeah, sure, yeah. Just, we'll, to, we'll come, just we'll to come. check this out. Okay, look, okay let's, let's go. go. Let's, let's go. go and have a look. Go on. Team. Go team. Okay, so it's... Oh, it's way more than we ever thought. Uh, is that... It's a bit larger than I thought it was. I mean, is it supposed to hang out like that? Yeah, I mean, can you close it from the inside, do you think? Possibly. It's well, go on then. Just go on then. Sam, yeah, Sam, I've, go on Sam then. I've got a Off you Sam, go. Good job. Go, Sam, lad. Sam, i got a bad feeling about this. Look, okay, we'll attach this rope round you, right? And cool. you can walk through it and we'll pull you back. Okay, yeah. sure, what do I need to take? What should I take? Um, take a little microphone. This? Take a little microphone. Yep. So we can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Take this out of here. Take this porridge bar, I guess. Yep. Yep. And take, um, the, t- take this pack of Keyforge cards, because you never know. Cool. Yep. Go and they're a key, technically, sort of. They are. I can unlock things with it? Yep. Uh-huh. I don't you know where I'm going. Sam, don't worry. If you come to a door, you can just use your cards to forge cool. a key. I'll try and be quick. But, but well, we don't know. We can't guarantee anything. No. I'll be back when I'm back. Okay. Wish me luck, guys. Okay. Good luck. Jamie, uh, the rope just seems to have sort of been, I don't know, well, separated in two. I I don't have a Sam at the other end of this bit of rope. It's just been severed completely. Yeah. Where's he gone? Don't know. Sam? He's got a porridge bar with him, at least. And he's got Keyforge, so he'll be happy. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be fine. I'm, I'm sure we'll see him again at some point. We will see Sam him too. again, Sam. Wherever you are, whenever you are, we'll see you again. Uh, I guess we should just sort of finish off the cast then, really. And um, uh, okay, I don't know what we're going to do about like a third chair for next time. I'll phone a friend, I guess, or something. Yeah, yeah. We well, could well, ask the, we'll hope we could Sam's ask the back. audience. Well, we'll hope Sam's back by then. And, I'm sure everything will be fine, but I'll, I'll, I'll get some backups. I'll, I'll phone around a few friends of the show and okay. see if anyone wants okay. to maybe t- take up the third chair. Well, and anyway, just um, so uh, well, a couple of points of business before we go and then, um, well, find uh, someone to fill a third chair for next time. Uh, I am off on a charity bicycle ride at the end of April. I'm up to the Loch Ness Atap riding in 
support of Macmillan Cancer Support. Uh, we'll put a link to my Just Giving page in the show notes, and if you'd like to spare a buck or two for that, that'd be much appreciated. I've hit my target already, but obviously I'd like to raise as much as possible before I go on the ride. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think there's been some April Fools going on as well, hasn't there, Jamie? A little bit, something a bit lighter uh, after the chaos yes. of the basement. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Although this, although this cast will be going out uh, in the middle of, uh, toward, toward the middle of April, uh, we're recording this near the beginning of April, and it's just been April Fools. And my goodness, there have been some very good board game based April Fools jokes put out by different companies um if you like i will start in with modifius your favorite who for star trek their star trek adventures role-playing game put out a new player character sheet and that is for a tribble and if you don't know from star trek tribbles are small furry things probably about the size of a grapefruit and they just go uh, and they eat and reproduce and that's about it oh also they really don't like klingons Really presumably don't. you need more uh, a lot of players so like the first player comes to the table and pretends to be a triple and then and then another player comes <laughs> and then there's two triples and then I'm, four, I'm, two more players come and there's four triples I'd, probably but what i quite like about it is not only have modifius still kept the player sheet up and you can download it for free from the modifius website but they've also actually written out like a proper player character sheet you can you can theoretically play it in a game although i wouldn't recommend it well, my personal favourite was uh, the that the Barkham Horror, the card game, is coming out, uh, the Dogwitch Legacy, and someone has obviously spent a long time photoshopping dogs onto Arkham Horror LCG cards. It's quite impressive. Uh, there's sort of cat enemies and dog investigators, and they've even rewritten the rules for a lot of the investigators to like be dog-based instead, uh, mentioning treats and all sorts, and it it's a really good job it's fantastic we'll link to it in the show notes i'm absolutely i was also quite intrigued by uh, z-man games's new announcement of pandemic the serial oh yes it's conquered the tabletop now it is coming to your bowl with just as much cardboard <laughs> as previously the first step to stopping a global pandemic is a healthy breakfast filled with fiber, a satisfying crunch, and marshmallow diseases. The pandemic cereal is the most scientifically delicious way to start your day. A plague in every bite. Charming. And that's, and that's yeah, that was that was or is available on the Z-Man site for two ninety nine. Sounds delicious. Yep. Well, we'd like to thank everyone for listening. Uh, a special thanks to our executive producers, the Lucky Sparrow Gaming Cafe. Uh, uh, Robert and Sadie were on our party podcast last time and we might have them back on in a future show as well. If you would like to join up with them and become an executive producer, you can check out our Patreon for $1 a month. You get access to the extended version of this very cast. For $2 a month, you will get access to our Idle Thoughts podcast, which is myself and Jamie and, well, not Sam anymore, I guess some other person talking about the games we played in the previous month. Cold-blooded! And uh, for uh, $5 a month, you can join our executive producers, Lucky Sparrow Gaming Cafe in, uh, well, I don't actually know what. Being else. an executive producer and Yeah, and being an executive call, producer, we, ha- we haven't got all that extra bits and show. pieces, but they get merch and that kind of thing as and when we get around to producing that. So, uh, yeah, so we're not exactly sure what we're going to do about the third chair for next time, but I'm sure we'll work something out um, and, you know, Sam probably be back from time to time, I'm sure. I mean, you'll get that lost in dimensions beyond space and time, surely. Ian, don't worry. We'll roll with it. We will roll with it. 
so thanks very much for listening everyone if you like what you've listened to then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast drop us a review and rain on itunes or your podcast platform of choice and you can also follow us on twitter at the giant brain instagram giant brain uk facebook the giant brain our website is giantbrain.co.uk and if you'd like to email us about anything on the show um, let us know what you think about the expansions and whether you think they're exploitative or not uh, and you can email us at giantbrainuk at gmail.com we'd love to hear your opinion on things we discuss in brainstorm or anything else on the show uh, thank you very much goodbye bye goodbye